0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Technology Leadership Podcast, hosted by TechSource, Technology and Product Recruitment Agency. And today is going to be a very interesting podcast. We are speaking with one of my friends, Chietza Maguti. Welcome, Chietza.
1: Thank you very much, Jake, and good morning. Good How morning. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well, thank you. Looking forward to today's episode. I've known Chietsa now, for, I think, nearly a couple of years we've yeah. known each other. Since both of our time at Penta, tr- introduced Chietza. She's now CPO at a company called Altia. She's a product leader, speaker, coach, mentor, very involved in kind of Berlin and Germany's kind of product community. So, very interested uh, in hearing all of your thoughts on the questions we've gotten today. Let's get into it. Exciting. Uh, so, Chietza, as I mentioned, you know, we worked together at Penta. You was head of product there. You're now CPO at Altia. As a product leader, what have been pivotal moments or experiences that shaped your career path, do you think?
1: Oh, I love this question. It's so <laughs> deep, so quickly, Jake. We're getting deep today. We're going to... small talk at the beginning. So I would say, first of all, it's really nice to be on the podcast. So I've listened to a few of the episodes now. Yeah, very, very interesting. interesting. Okay. Um, to your question, pivotal moments, right? In a career. So... When you start off in product, you are normally working with a team on a day-to-day basis. And you're constantly, whether it's like working on your backlog, working on your roadmap, but you're constantly in touch with a team. So you're inside a team. And then as you develop in your career and you become more senior, for example, let's say you become sometimes they call them group PMs or a senior PM head of product, director of product, instead of you doing the work, you're now the one who is enabling people to do their best work. And you're not normally in a team, right? Like in the sense of working with a delivery team, with engineers and QAs, architects, et cetera. And I think for me, that was a really big change because I love being in a team, as in a team of people, and we're working together all the time. And the thing I struggled with when I first moved into leadership was, feeling like I wasn't getting this regular feedback about like how are things going and what can I improve? And I think it was also a lot to do with confidence because I got a lot of confidence from writing these great documents, writing these really good user stories, having all of these sessions with the team. And when you move into leadership, that feedback is not as frequent. Of course, I ask people for feedback, but I'm not getting this everyday feedback. So I think it was quite pivotal in that I had to reinvent myself and I had to realize that the confidence in my work had to come from inside and I couldn't just rely on validation from outside or from my team, from my peers around me. And also when you are in a leading position, even the person who's managing you does not expect to have to tell you all the time, Oh, you're doing a really good job. They just expect you to get on with your work. So That also was, I think, probably one of the, for me, that was probably the
0: biggest, the biggest challenge. And how, how did you mentally manage going from that, working within a team, getting validation from your manager, getting that confidence to then having to muster it up yourself? Because I feel that can resonate with a lot of people. Like we all enjoy getting rewarded for our hard work, all enjoy getting that recognition for our hard work. But now, as you said, when you go into a leadership role, your role is a, as an enabler is to get people to to do that and make them feel good about themselves and reward them. How did you do that then mentally? And how did you mentally manage that in terms of getting that reward from your managers to then the one giving that reward and having to create it in yourself?
1: I had to really work on my mindset and I had to move away from being Because really that whole external validation, it comes from ego, right? It comes from this primal need of ours to be acknowledged and to be validated. And I would say that I really had to dig into my very human side, which is, it's not about you, right? It's not about me. It's about everybody else around me. So changing that to say, I don't necessarily have to be the one that's like getting all of the like praise, the accolades and the props and the whatever, but rather I'm the one who's now got the privilege and the honor to do that for other people. And also understanding that in life, there are seasons. So I had my season and then now it is my turn to, to be that person that was doing the encouraging and doing the praising and doing the enabling and yeah, moving away from that, I need to be the one in the middle to being the cheerleader on the side. And this is now a role that I really enjoy so much more is being the cheerleader, being the enabler, because I benefited so much from very early in my career from managers who were so low ego. They would take me to meetings. I remember once going to a meeting with one of my bosses and I was quite young. I think I was like 23 or 24 And this was a meeting with some of the leading people working in banking in the UK. And I just remember sitting there like feeling frozen, thinking, what am I doing in this room? I'm not at the same level as all these people. But what I realized is that he wanted to expose me to these conversations to really see how people present themselves in meetings, what they talk about, how they get their point across, how these different interactions work. And I gained so much knowledge about how people work together just being put into these situations and he was super low ego right because if he wasn't he would never bring me into the room and sometimes he would direct questions to me from people he'd be like oh chitza what do you think and i would just be sitting there thinking me i'm like 23 years old don't ask me i have no idea but i really benefited a lot from that so i was very fortunate to have yeah very low ego managers early on
0: nice punch that. And one thing you mentioned there, and actually I'd just like to make a point on, is that we go through seasons in our careers and in the kind of tech community. And I'd almost say, I think we all know 2023 has been a difficult year for a lot of people in regards to our community. Money's harder to come by for startups, layoffs, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I just thought it was worth mentioning that we're all going through this together. And yeah, it might be winter right now, let's say but it'll be spring and summer soon enough and we just have to keep on trucking along. I just thought it was worth mentioning that. So then, as a product leader, you've seen a lot of things. I'd like to get into how to be almost a, a better product manager, really. Now, what do you see as being a constant challenge for product managers within organization?
1: Well, product managers, I think one of the biggest challenges is that depending on the organization stage and also the organizational setup, there are different expectations of product managers even within the organization and different teams and this i think is so challenging i think it's super difficult for people to find their feet sometimes because you know you are expect to talk to customers make sure the backlog is up to date what about the quality of the user stories have you got feedback from the customer service team what about all the feedback coming from the sales team and being expected to be able to cover this massive broad spectrum of things to do and it's always the quality is always expected to be like at 100 percent and it's usually because the product is the cash cow right this is where the company is making money and the product team is in the middle of all of these things, trying to make sense of things coming from left and right and trying to say what's important, what are the things that are going to drive the KPIs that we really care about, that we need to be successful. I would say that's probably the hardest thing. And I think also, especially in companies that are in the earlier stages of development, starting up, scaling up, there are also a lot of moving parts, right? So sometimes you have product managers who start at the very early stage and really covering so many different things. But as the company then scales and then more people are being added to the team, certain parts of people's work looks like it's being taken away, but rather it's about, okay, now it's time for you to specialize so that we can really figure out all the other skills that are needed to support you to do your best work. And I think those changes are really difficult. Also because startups don't have the luxury of having in big companies when there's changes, it's like there's a whole change management program about this is how we're going to communicate it. This is how we're going to engage everybody. This is how we're going to understand all the feedback we get. In a startup, there isn't that luxury of having this transformation group or change management. And people are really expected to just get on with it, get on with the change. And I think also leaders are not always equipped to manage that change it's not that easy to manage that change I think especially if I look at product leaders let's say you have a team who started at the early stage and then let's say you start adding other specialities to support what they were doing before it's also dealing with people's emotions oh but I really enjoyed that part of my work and now you're taking it away from me how do you communicate it in a way that someone understands that It's for their benefit and the organization's benefit, ultimately the customer's benefit. So that was a very long answer,
0: but I hope it made sense. It definitely does. And there's a few questions that I've got in here and just a few, maybe summaries there, so you kind of saying that PMs, we have to be aware that in early stage startups, we're going to be wearing many hats. You're going to be doing lots of things. And then as the company progresses, we'll almost be specializing in, in certain areas of the kind of product management org, let's say. But how do you feel is the important, how do you optimize essentially working with engineers as products? Because I feel that products and engineering needs to work very closely. Mm -hmm. Product managers need to work with all the departments very closely, but they do seem to be working with engineers the most, I see. So what's your thoughts on the kind of challenges between products and engineers and how as a product manager we have to master that?
1: So this is one of my favorite questions so i actually started my career as a business analyst and i was working in a delivery team with engineers with qas with architects etc and the business analyst role is it's quite a technical role i was responsible for example writing api specs and validating those specs what we had at the time was that i was a business analyst and then we had a product manager as well and it meant that the product manager could Really focus on all of the other engagement that needed to happen. For example, with external stakeholders outside the company, talking to our customers, also liaising with like marketing, thinking about marketing campaigns, talking to legal, et cetera. And my job, we were like a pair. So we used to work together. So I used to cover a lot of the stuff around like technical specs and more of the detailed documentation and then all of the stuff around the user stories. And then the product manager would be like pulling in the higher level requirements that then I would elaborate on. What's happened over time is, and so what that means is you have someone there with the engineers all the time who understands the business concept, who understands what the customers are looking for and who also has a very good understanding of, because, you know, you can't always build exactly what someone wants, right? Sometimes you have to compromise. But because I was working with the product manager, I really knew where we had wiggle room. I also really knew as well when they would bring the high-level requirements, I could already talk about it with them, challenge them, and I would go with them to meetings with stakeholders where very early on I could talk about potential implementation. What's happened is now that role has disappeared and it's merged into this one role. So you have the expectation that this one person is supposed to cover. And this working with engineers is very time-consuming and it should be time-consuming because if you think about it, writing user stories and writing stuff on confidence pages, if we look at the cost versus every single line of code that you write. There's a huge investment that happens from the time something is on a document and now you're writing it into code. The engineers need someone who's there, who can answer their questions, who maybe from their perspective looks like they're being distracted by all of these things that are going on. And I think unfortunately what has happened is that some engineering teams, and I'm not trying to be very like check diplomatic, maybe feel like they're not getting enough of that product manager time for the detailed stuff. And there's a bit of a vacuum between the engineering team and the product team. I think product has really optimized itself to be very outward looking. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's good understanding that whole piece around discovery. Like what are we actually trying to do and really trying to figure that out I think what's been left now is there's this vacuum between that and the work that the engineers need to do. And product managers are often told, know your customer back to front, understand everything about your customer. I think that same energy should be into engineering. So really take time to understand how does engineering work? What are the things that they need? I see people, people have retros and things like that, but I think that the really underlying things that are not quite working in teams don't tend to come out in those retros. I think that if product managers, the empathy that they have for their customers, if they had that empathy for engineering, I think this would help a lot. And I always feel a bit sad when you see this tension between product and engineering, because when I was starting out, I was super tight with the engineers. I learned so much from them, just spending that amount, that that intense amount of time with them. I really learned a huge amount. And that's why I also thought early on in my career that I would move into product architecture rather than product leadership. This was not actually my plan because I was so interested in the way that they build things and how they think things through what's the best way. And all of that time that they poured into me and me taking the time to understand them, has enabled me with the job that I do now to ask questions that even if I don't know the details of what's going on, I can ask questions because I've got all of these pieces and puzzles in my head about how engineering works and what they need to consider, what they need to think about. I'll give you a really mundane example. If you think about payments, right? And let's say you want to build a service that processes card payments. You might just say, yeah, we want you to process these type of payments. Okay, great. But you need to understand If we were to forecast, how many do we think we're going to have? Because this is so important from an architecture perspective. And these are some of the questions that a product manager, if they're not so exposed to the technical side, might not think to really think, okay, over the years, this is how many it could scale up to. And then sometimes you find services go down, et cetera, et cetera, because there's too much traffic on that. Sometimes it's unpredictable, but I think sometimes you can also be on the Sort of forward looking, cautious side and ask those questions beforehand. Thank you very much for that. So,
0: with product managers working closely with engineers, then to wrap that up, what would you say your kind of top three pieces of advice for product managers working closely with engineers, kind of a cohesive business unit working together?
1: The first one is that better together, like honestly, if you can get that relationship. To be at its optimum, honestly, they will even give you the most incredible ideas that maybe you have not even thought about. So it's really better together. The second one is, as I said, is the curiosity and the empathy you have for your customers should be the curiosity and empathy that you have for the engineers and the engineering team. So really to understand like where they're coming from, what they need. And how you can optimize your way of working, I think that's the second thing. And then I think the third thing is that I'm not asking anyone to become an engineer themselves. I think the third thing I will say is, I hear this a lot from people who want to go into product. I'm not technical enough. There's nothing like that. It's you learn this stuff on the job. All the stuff that I talk about now is because I've learned it on the job. And it takes time. So be patient with yourself. You're not going to get it right immediately. I think I spent the first two, three, four years of my career fumbling around, making mistakes. I still do, but I'm just talking about just like detailed work. It takes time to think about how to ask a question. So just be patient with yourself. I feel like nowadays there's this tendency to be like, I've been doing product for three years, four years. I should be ahead of. Take your time. There's so much that you can learn and the benefit of time, honestly, is absolutely incredible. I can tell you now that I'm so much more patient. I'm 40 now. I am so much more patient than I was like 13 years ago when I was very early in my career. I was always so anxious about, I should know this, I should know that. And now I'm like, oh, I don't know that. I can try and I can learn it. I can ask someone. Really just be patient with yourself and take your time.
0: Nothing. Thank you very much for that overview. And one question as well before we move on to this, you mentioned if there was that tension between engineers and PMs. Have you got any advice if you're a product manager going into a business or you've been at a business for quite some time and there is actually that tension between PMs and the engineers, have you got any advice of how you'd almost knock down those walls and build those bridges and where to actually start If you're a product manager,
1: you know what the product development process is. So do some discovery, understand what's the problem, ask the right questions, and also think about what you're asking. So I've been learning recently. I've just done a coach. I just finished a coaching course the other day. And one thing that our instructor was telling us, I don't know, did you call an instructor or teacher? I can't remember. So she was telling us that if you ask someone a question with the why at the beginning, going into a conversation saying like, why is there tension? This is not going to really be a good way to start the conversation. I think one thing, the easiest thing to probably start from is to sit down, leaning into conversation. So this is the most important thing. You have to lean into it. If there is tension, lean into it. I am still learning how to lean into difficult conversations and difficult situations because I know that I've got an avoidance side of me, which is I don't want conflict. I want to get along with everybody. I want everything to be nice. You have to lean into it. Ask the question, say, and set it up. Say, I would like to discuss how we work together, ways of working. Don't do the thing when people say we need to talk. Don't approach it like that, because you put people already in a position like worrying. So, you know, something mundane like ways of working or reviewing past projects or something like that. And then when you get into the session, you can just say, I would like to understand. You can start from expectations, because normally this is a, a problem around unmet expectations or different expectations of each other. So you can start as a product manager to say, what are your expectations of me as a product manager? Asking whether it's one engineer or the group of engineers, what are your expectations of me? And then you can start the conversation. I think from there you will uncover so many different things because once you have those expectations, then you can start to talk about maybe why they're not being met. How can you meet them? If it's not possible, how can you mitigate it? Because then maybe there's a conversation to be had with whoever's the leadership team to say, we have some of these gaps and how can we manage those gaps and how can we deal with them? Because I think once they're out in the open, then people can understand like, you know what, I can really support you in this particular area. If they say, oh, we feel like you're not available, then talk about the things that you're doing. I'm doing a lot of customer calls. I'm doing a lot of customer research. I'm really trying to work on our KPIs and I want to do the KPI so that we could do the planning, etc. So really getting that to be more open, having a more constructive conversation. But the most important thing is you need to lean into it and ask the right questions. Like I said, with product discovery, it's always trying to understand what is the actual underlying problem rather than just treating symptoms.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. I feel like that's a very insightful answer there. because I think a lot of PMs will face this at some point in their careers at any roles they're in. Awesome. Thanks so much for that, set. Now let's move on to more leadership, being a head of, being a CPO. I'm sure there's a lot of product managers out there. Who once you get to that point and also a lot of head offs wishing as well, who are already at that point. What challenges as a head of product leader are you facing? Are you facing in your career? And also how do we overcome them? We'll unpack how do we overcome them, but yeah, as a kind of product leader, what are the challenges you're facing when you are in a business, you join a new business?
1: I think that I think often when someone comes into that position, there is a lot of expectations for that person to deliver immediately. And most people I know who've gone into these type of roles, especially I'm talking about myself, I'm not even talking about a friend of a friend, I'm talking about me. You also put a lot of pressure on yourself because you feel like, I need to know everything. I need to understand everything because I need to make decisions. And this can be really detrimental to your sort of mental, emotional health because you are putting yourself under this intense amount of pressure. People are like, yeah, we want to see the strategy. We want to see this, but you don't even understand the business. You have to understand the business model. You have to understand the business strategy. You have to understand the current team. How is the team set up? It takes time. It's not easy. And I know people might be listening saying, yeah, if the, if you're in the startup, there's no time for that. I think that some of the things that we see are coming from really rushed decision-making, from not really having a considered approach to how should we do things and what should we change. And I think that the biggest challenge is actually not really to do with the organizations, but it's a very personal thing because we go into these roles and you change your state of your job on LinkedIn. And now all of a sudden it's like head of director, senior vice president. And then you think I need to be creating magic immediately. And that is really overwhelming. So I would say most times it's that pressure that we put on ourselves. And actually what's more important, and I've had this in this role, is really sitting with with my boss and talking about expectations and just being like, you have to understand what's going on. There's so many different moving parts, and you need to take the time to figure them out. And also remember that the Cornerstone of product is relationships. So you need to take time to build the relationships, understand the people, understand the challenges, understand your market, understand the customers. It's a lot. It's really a lot. And I think really to be open to say, I don't know, I'm new. I need to figure it out. I'm like a sponge. One of the best things that I did in my current role is, and I need to do it more often, is I just sat with someone in operations for two hours. It was the most insightful two hours ever. Because I was just watching how they work and what they do, talking to customers. And it gave me so many different insights. So just really taking your time and just being like, yes, I am now in this position, but it doesn't mean that I have to change the world immediately. And I need to take the time. And it goes back right to what we're talking about at the beginning around ego. It's that your ego is saying you have to do something. So people think you're so great. But actually, if you take your time and then eventually you'll be in a much better position to make decisions and people will rally around you because they they trust you. They've built the relationship. They've built that understanding of where you're trying to go, what you're trying to do. Don't try to change everything all at the same time. And that really just comes from managing yourself. This is the thing that I've really learned in the last few years. It's not about anyone
0: else. It's about managing Yourself. So I feel from that, it's take your time, don't rush into things, learn as much as you can about the business. Yeah. And it's so tempting, by the
1: way. I'm not saying it's really easy. It's so tempting to just be like, I'm going to jump into this, I'm going to jump into that. But at, when it's all said and done, it will, yeah, it's a lot, it's too much. So really try to take your time and talk to your leadership and say, these are my plans. This is what I'm trying to do. I just want to take my time to understand this, the company. And I want to understand our products and I want to understand our customers. And uh, it's not always easy. I know, but I think if you start from this, set the expectations, I think that this can really work much better.
0: Nice. Nice. thanks. Thanks, that chat. What would you say as someone, I think that we can do this, this question twofold. Someone that's starting out in a new role in a head of CPO role, what would you say the first hundred days should look like? Oh,
1: it's all about, I break things down like people, processes, product and technology, right? Write those things down, those four categories and then elaborate on them. So people, you know, who's in your team, understand every single person who's in that team, take the time to figure out how you're going to build a relationship and rapport. Also understand the processes. So shadowing people who are working on current projects See how they work. See what happens. What's the exchange of information like? How do people prioritize? How do people do the planning? Of course, the product, like dive into the product. How does it work? Go into a, most companies have like a sandbox, right? Where you can test things out, onboard yourself to the product, see how it works. Read about your products. Reading press, go on to, if it's B2C or even B2B, if there's a wide scale use of it, go on Twitter, read what people are saying. Go on LinkedIn, read what people are saying. And then also with the technology, is take the time to get to know the technology leadership. Ask them about sort of how they've got to where they are now. What are they most proud of? Are there any things that they're concerned about in terms of, I think most fast-growing companies have a product debt issue. I don't call it tech debt because it's product debt. So, you know, these decisions are purposely made. Yeah. (laughs) These decisions are purposely made by cross-functional teams so it's product debt I feel like tech debt makes it seem like it's only something that the engineering team have to pay off in quotation marks but actually tech debt is something that everybody it's everybody has to pay that's why I call it that and I think month by month it's just I think every situation is unique but every situation set yourself at the end of this month this is what I would like to be true So maybe you say at the end of this month, I would like to have a better understanding of my team, or I want to have been part of one project or something like that. So I think doing that for the first 90 days is really helpful and check in with whoever is your manager as often as possible. I have made this mistake before where I've just been so engrossed in what I was doing. Check in with them. Do they have feedback for you? What are they expecting from you? What are the challenges they're facing? Maybe there are a couple of things because you've come in, you're fresh, you've got new ideas. Make yourself available, make yourself open to see if there's something that you can participate in with the leadership team or something where you can share some of your ideas. I think a few years ago, I probably would have started off I was more reserved and more shy. Now I'm trying to break through that and just be open and... Put my ideas on the table more, even if I don't have all the context. Because so I think in a way, you also learn how people react to different things. And also check in with yourself every couple of weeks. Like, how are you feeling? If you are feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or anxious, figure out what the root of it is. Often it's probably you're putting a little bit too much pressure on yourself. So then really think about, okay, some of these milestones are a little bit too much. But yeah, I think... That constant checking in is really important. I'm all about balance these days.
0: Amazing. So really people process product technology and then yourself at the end, looking after yourself. I think that's quite good at the end. And I think that's quite interesting. And I think whether you're a product leader, senior PM, junior PM starting in a new role, I think that's quite good advice for wherever you are in your career and what you should be focusing on in your first 100 days. So thanks very much for that chat,
1: Oh, by the way, Looking after yourself is number one. It's the most important. Yeah. Yes. Because you won't be able to deal with people, product, process, technology if you're not good with yourself. So it's always oh, most it's important.
0: It is. It definitely is. I feel like in the past few years, since we've set up TechSource and we're working on some of the projects, like that has come kind of even more. I feel like when you set up a business, it's just go. You don't really care about your health and well being because you're just so. Engrossed in kind of building your baby and what you want to do. But then after a few setbacks, you realize that actually, yeah, health is wealth and health comes first all the time. So I'd like to move on to the current state of our tech community. And there's been a big shift and change in the past year of growing at all costs, spending money on growing product, investing in new areas of the products and trying to get new revenue streams off the ground So, actually then. Doing a complete one hundred and eighty, slowing down growth, stopping kind of growth at all costs, and really having sustainable growth. How do you feel that like the past year has affected product management as a product leader and just as a product manager yourself? What are your thoughts on this, and also what is your advice to product managers going through this in right now and how they what they should be focusing on?
1: Yeah, great question. When I started out working, I think mean, I was working in a totally different environment. And all of these things around operational efficiencies was always extremely important. And at the top of the list of how we work, because the understanding was that you can grow your revenue, but if your costs are going up at the same time, then, you know, it's going to be really difficult for you to have decent profit margins. And I think what's the biggest challenge is really rethinking the way you look at these problems that you're trying to solve from a customer perspective. And I think one of the things that's been really difficult is for people to understand like the service design. So what do I mean by service design? Service design is the end to end of how your product is actually either being used by a customer. Or anything that is needs to be done from an internal perspective to support customers. This is the service design. I think what's been happening is that people are really very much focused on what the customer sees and what the customer experiences, and they're not thinking so much about if we build X and then someone calls our customer support team and they need to do something. Do they have the tools to do that thing in an efficient way, or have we provided our customers with the tools to be able to do it themselves? I think you've seen it a lot in banking, right? Remember how many branches of banks they used to be everywhere and how that has just changed like it's completely different now there are a lot of bank branches now that have been closed because there was such a focus when online banking came they realized oh actually we don't need all these branches because people can do stuff themselves download their statements do their direct debit returns all of this kind of stuff can you imagine how much their costs just fell off a cliff after doing closing these branches. Now I think they're doing it a little bit too much. (laughs) I think they're getting a little bit too excited with it. And I think they could slow down a bit because I still think there's something about that human interaction that you still need sometimes. But I do understand from a business perspective as well, it's all about balancing. And I think that we don't really educate product managers in the last few years about service design. So from the time that a customer is maybe being onboarded, like how are they being onboarded? How automatic is that onboarding? Does someone have to do something manually in the background to make things work? Because we know that a lot of times we say, just build the MVP, just build the simplest version. Let's test that out and see. But what tends to happen is the MVP gets built, it's performing, and then we move on to the next, move on to the next, move on to the next. But as you keep doing that, you are accumulating more and more product debt. You are accumulating a lot of stuff that needs to be done manually, potentially. And people are great. People are so resourceful. And I think operations teams, customer care teams, they think about a way to get it done, right? But then now they need more people to join the team to be able to do that. So you're growing your customer base, your product is expanding, and now there's just so much more manual work to do. So I think this change that's happened in the last year and a bit, it's actually quite, it's a huge shift, right? Because it's just going from, just acquire customers, pour all of this money into acquisition. And now it's about saying, like, how can we be more efficient? What is our customer lifetime value really? Just Not just looking at how much do they pay us, but how much does it cost us to support each customer? And bringing that thinking and understanding into the process, going beyond the MVP, so I say now the MLP, And when we look at something and we say, who are our stakeholders? It's not just your external customer. It's not just your external user. You have a lot of teams internally who are relying either on information or have to support these customers. So what does the solution need to look like that they can actually do their work without scaling with people? But rather let's scale with technology. Let's use technology to its greatest potential to actually help us to be more efficient. I think this is just probably... The hardest thing from a product management perspective is to switch from like just this whole like revenue and acquisition, and now thinking a lot more about things to do with costs and retention.
0: Nice. Interesting. You mentioned it a couple of times, kind of product debt. I feel there's a fine line, and you mentioned it as well, from MVP, getting something out and moving on to the next thing in your products that you're building, what you need to build for your customers. What's your thoughts on and when would you go back to the things that you rushed out and maybe have this product debt on to go back and fix it? Because do we have, as product managers and dev teams, is our leadership happy with us going back and fixing things and spending a couple of weeks here? But that, like what you said, might not impact the acquisition and revenue of the business, but it will actually impact the service design. Do you, as a product manager and a product leader, manage that with leaders in the business?
1: Product management is about telling a story. You have to be able to tell the story of why something is that. Uh, you either frame it as a problem or as an opportunity. And talking about this, and always frame it, right? Start off with the positive. We've built this MVP. It's doing really great. Look at the KPIs. Amazing. And then you say, looking ahead. Let's say you've built something really quickly, but more and more customers are using it. And at some point, it might become too much for your service to be able to handle. Because in the end, if you can't, let's say you need to process something, right? And if you don't have the architecture to support processing 2, 3x the number of customers, then that's going to lead to a degraded customer experience, right? Because customers maybe will be trying to do something. They can't log in, they can't access it, or your app is unavailable. And that's the story you tell because it's connected in the end. If your customers are not happy, your MPS will go down. If your customers are not happy, they'll probably complain about it. When you're trying to acquire customers, they might see that. And so really tell the story of how this actually affects our rep, could affect our revenue, or it could affect our acquisition, it could affect our retention. Not to put it in a doomsday way, but just projecting to say this is what would and then also thinking about what are the other things that you want to do that may be connected to that particular thing. If that thing is not in a state, where you can really scale or do more, then tell the story. And I'm not saying most of the time you will be told like, no, we're moving on to the new thing, but always tell the story, put it on the table. In as much as you get all these customer problems, you get feedback from here, feedback from there, feedback from there. I think product teams can do a lot more to not be passive about the things they know are a problem. And really advocate for that. Tell the story. Like I said, it's not about a doomsday scenario. It's just about framing, telling the story, making people aware, because you're the one who knows the stuff and you're the one who knows what we could do. And maybe there's a halfway house. Hey, we could do this over a three-month period in chunks. Maybe that's a little bit more palatable. Come up with A, B, and C, different options. You know, and ask, what do you think? What do you think? How would you If it was on your side, what would you, how how would you go about it? Or what would you think is the best thing? And if you tell the story with all the main, I guess, characters, players in it, just being very clear, like I said, it's not about doomsday. It's like strategy, like a politician. I have to put it all out there. Like, it's great. And we just need to handle this thing. And these are the different scenarios. Get feedback from people as well. Maybe go to the customer services team and try to understand from them, is this really a problem? Ask the engineers, is this really a problem? And asking yourself like, okay, if we were to 2, 3x the number of customers, like, what do you think would happen? Oh, and then they will tell you and you'll unearth all of that. Bringing all of these people together to make those decisions, advocate for your team, whatever you're working on to also get these initiatives, because then what will happen is the engineering team, they'll start to really trust you. Because they'll start to see, okay, you also really understand that there are things that we need to do to tidy up the house effectively.
0: Amazing. I think that's a great piece of advice there in just how to be a great product manager and kind of get things done within your business that, you've, that you're passionate about, not just in terms of managing kind of product debt, but new initiatives, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's great. I'm very aware we're running out of time. So I'd like to finish off with one more question for you. Yes, yes advice to seniors growing their careers so what qualities and skills do you believe are essential to be a successful product manager that will then lead you into being a lead product leader and how can aspiring product managers develop these skills and stand out in the field
1: love that communication and collaboration is like the cornerstone of product management and i would say that if i look back and how i grew in my career I really just really enjoy talking to people and I really love bringing the right people together to solve the problem and talk things through. So really pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Uh, Cause I also used to love like organizing workshops and talking about, Oh, what can we do with this? What can we do with that? I didn't have to, but I really enjoyed it because I really enjoyed bringing people together because I saw the power of collaboration and when we talk about leading doesn't mean you always have to be leading a person. When you're a product manager and you have your team, you're leading that team. And going a little bit beyond like just your team is how people will see like this person is really growing. So I used to interact a lot with teams from other like domains and areas and tell them, what are we working on? Uncover all of these things to do with dependencies, think about planning. And I would bring all of these things up and say, hey, I talked to this team and we might need some time from them, and how do we plan it and things like that? So, I know when you start off, you're like you head down doing your work, but as soon as you kind of master that, lift your head up, look around you. What's going on around you? Who could use your support? Where could you even practicing, right? Asking people like, oh, you have a meeting, please can I facilitate it? Because as a product manager, you're going to have to facilitate meetings your whole career. So also volunteering yourself to say, oh, because it's not just about like you being seen, but it's about you developing your muscles around all of these things and for you to feel much more comfortable in be moving out of your comfort zone. And obviously now the theme of the day is self-management. Really, like I said, leading doesn't always have to be like I have a team of 10. It's not about that. Start off with mentoring someone. Say, okay, if I want to move into leadership, I should start mentoring someone. Just see the dedication and the time that it takes to do that. And you'll see it's not a walk in the park, right? It's a lot of work and it's emotional investment. It's mental investment, but it's good practice. It's very really good practice. I would say that I just also, the last thing I would say is just enjoy it. Have fun. It's a very competitive space. And I feel like people are not having enough fun. Have some fun. Go to meetups, go to events, meet other people who are also working in product. You learn so much from them.
0: Listen to podcasts,
1: listen to podcasts,
0: (laughs) get involved in podcasts as well.
1: Exactly. And if there's a podcast you like, write to the person and say, I love your podcast. I would love to chat. Why not? Just do it. I think people always think, oh, things like podcasts and talking at meetups is just reserved for leadership people. But I think anybody, I think if someone came to you and they were like, Hey, this is what I'm interested in talking about. I don't think you'd be like, you're not a leader. No,
0: We We want people on the podcast. It's very much focused to leaders but we do want to do a mini series with just the people, the product managers, the engineers, because we support, I feel the tech community of oh, yeah, engineers and product people and tech leaders. Yeah. So yeah, we're always speaking about tech leaders and how to be a tech leader, but I think it's also great that we want to do a series on actual minsts yeah. and genius and actually the actual being, a, being an engineer, being a product manager in businesses. So, yeah, on that note, if you want to get involved or you're interested in certain topics, just reach out to us. Uh yeah, so it's been a pleasure. It's
1: been a wonderful take. Thank you thank so you very much fun. for your time. You've
0: me again. I would love to have you on again because we, we have lots of questions, more questions for you that we've not been able to cover today. But yeah. I think this has been a very insightful episode for product people and product leaders looking to grow their skills and careers. So, thank you very much thank
1: passion. you thanks for the great questions it's also been nice because i've had a time to reflect a little bit you know like we were talking about earlier you always feel like i haven't done this i haven't done that so it was also really nice to think, yeah i've had lots of different experiences and they've shaped me so much so thank you for taking me down memory lane.
0: very welcome thank you for sharing your wisdom chetzer have a nice day thanks jerry